to feed my spirit. I was once a king. You are a specter from the gods. Walk with me. All right, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. And for episode 16, we've got the lovely Bent Washburn. We get into his upbringing outside of Provo, Utah, his mission to Seattle, Washington, some of the guilt that he felt throughout the years over his doubts toward the church, uh, divorce, what it's like to chase a dream, and much, much more. And as always, be sure to check out www.waityourmormon.com to keep track of all things Wait You Were Mormon, and it makes sharing one of your favorite episodes of these. They're all right there, as well as all of my social links. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to everything. So that's always cool. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and thanks again for all of the, the love and support. I appreciate you guys. Could you just introduce yourself to, to the listeners? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name's uh, Bent Washburn, and uh, should I tell any, everybody how old I am? I don't need to say that. Nah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I was born in 1965, so I'm 55 years old. And uh, what else should I say? Uh, what else do I need to say? Um, were you you uh, prompt me on. Yeah, were you born in the church? I was. I was born in a little town in Utah, Mapleton, Utah. Okay. It's just south of Provo. And at the time, it was full of factory workers and uh, uh, little farms and that kind of stuff. It was just a small. Now it's a really rich suburb of Provo. But mm-hmm. then it was just little tiny fields and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was born in the church. I was born Mormon. Everybody around me was Mormon. Well, no, that's not true. We had a few Catholics in Mapleton. Wow, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, in some ways I feel bad for them, I guess, because mm. they were completely locked out of that culture. But in other ways, I'm kind of jealous because they were completely locked out of that culture. Mm. <laughs> they didn't have to. But, uh, yeah, Mapleton, Utah, and... Uh, both my parents, my dad was a convert to the church. He grew up in Utah in a little tiny town, non-Mormon family. Interestingly, his, I believe his grandfather left the Mormon church because of the law of consecration, right? Mm. That, is that what they called it? Back when they decided to like, hey, everybody, pitch all your yep. property into this pile. And they did it once to him, I guess, and he went along with it. And then he worked really hard and built a big farm. And they, the second time, he said, "No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not okay. doing this for another round. You yeah. guys are done." <laughs> so that was my dad was uh, converted to the Mormon Church when he met my mom. Okay. And uh, so I'm a son of a convert. I don't know if that makes any difference. Well, I mean, and that's then always, uh, uh, kind of interesting because you know you talk to some people and they're like, uh, "We go back like seven, eight generations," and. Yeah, people that, you know, they were the pioneers, but yeah, I don't want to cut you off. You had a thought there. No, no, I think it is. It's that you're right. Some people go all the way back. My dad, 
I think his grandfather then is one of those types of people who left Europe. And mm -hmm. My mom is Taylor. Her last name's Taylor from okay. uh, southern Utah. So there it's very much yeah. right. Just Mormon, totally Mormon. And I was in a big family. Were you in a big family? I was born in a big family. No, I'm actually uh, I'm actually an only child. Oddly. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. But um I don't know. Florida is just a little different. Like everything in the church was just so much different in Florida oh, yeah. than it was in uh Utah. And like, you know, as we were talking about earlier, that just that transition left a bad taste in my mouth, but it was very strange going back to Utah it, from Florida. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a culture shock mm. for sure. It's a completely different Of course, I didn't know that. I was growing up in it. I had no idea. We thought the Catholics were weird. Mm. That's pretty crazy. When you think of, no, actually, mm -hmm. uh, mathematically, Mormons are weird, not Catholics. <laughs> yeah. Catholics are what we would call quite a large, not a majority, but it's a big Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was just steeped in that yeah. small town. So, and large family. I had four older brothers and two younger sisters, and my brothers all went on missions. So, uh, you have to go. Yeah. When, yeah, I mean, if you don't, they just assume you did something awful or bad. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't, but I thought I had because. I uh, I never got a sex talk. I don't. I think this is pretty common mm. for guys my age in Mormonism uh, to just have had this really backwards upbringing with sexuality. Mm. Uh, so I this is how bad it was. I I did not I did not know that uh, about a wet dream. I didn't know. Can I say that on yeah, the podcast? I didn't know what that was. Can I say that? Yeah, on the, yeah. I we, thought we, it was masturbation. It so what it, what has happened is I, I thought it was masturbating in my sleep. Oh. So uh and then I found out when I was like like eighteen or maybe it was when I was seventeen, I I finally got I go and confess actually it's probably when I was sixteen, I go and confess to, to my bishop, who's this great old man. He was an awesome guy. He was an Air Force Colonel, retired mm -hmm. Air Force Colonel, Bishop Predmore. And I remember now I, it's funny to me. I remember telling this, like, oh, and I describe it, and he's all upset. And then when I come back and I'm telling him about it again, he goes, suddenly so look on his face like, what? what? No, no, that's, no, that he's trying to, yeah. that's not, that's not, a, that's, that's normal. But I, I had no idea. And I think he was mostly shocked because my dad was a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So I guess he assumed that I'd be adjusted somehow, uh, that this son of a psychiatrist would have some sort of idea about how mm -hmm. the human body worked, but that's not how it was. Yeah. So was anyway, what I'm saying is I had to go on my mission because mm -hmm. I had, you know, you couldn't, yeah. right? If you don't go, everyone's like, well, he's obviously got yeah. a problem with something. You won't be something. To, no girls will want to date you. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of extreme yeah. social motivations. Oh, everything. Mm -hmm. Your whole life. It's just, you just, if you just tumble down this stairway into hell, I mean, it's over, mm -hmm. it's done. And you're never, you're just, uh, what would you think? Uh, rot, uh, uh, damaged goods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're damaged goods. Mm -hmm. But I also, at the same time, I had a belief in it. 
You know, I believed it, right? Mm. I uh, kind of. I mean, I tried. I should say, I should say, I always had a lot of doubt, mm. always. And I, and my whole life in Mormonism was trying to just keep that doubt down, like to keep it lower than my level of belief. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It was just a constant battle. Mm. In fact, that was my mission. It was just. It started 18 months, then it was a two years of just, I would say it was uh, just trying to just uh, just believe, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just trying to quell your doubts and your boner. That's yeah. it. That's what you do. You're just constant for two years. And uh, I went on a mission. I, th- I did have belief in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I got the sense I went to that, Seattle. Um... I got the sense that you. What was that? I got the sense that you were kind of you questioned from a young age. Just uh, your comment about yeah. being jealous of the Catholics in your town a little bit, you know, like gave, a little me, bit. gave me a sense of uh, dissatisfaction. And you're a comic, so you're questioning and observing a lot of things, you know. So I'm not surprised yeah. uh, that from a young age you probably were doubting. But um, I was doubting. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did you doubt at a young age, or you know, I didn't really start doubting until my mission. Um, just because you're reading, you're taking study a lot more seriously than you would ordinarily. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, just doing some personal study at the end of the day, and I was trying to read through the entire Doctrine and Covenants, um, and I got to the section mm-hmm. that talks about um, the martyrdom, like at, at Carthage. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're always, you know, you, you sing praise to the man and all of these things. And you have this yeah. idea of what a martyr is and, you know, these biblical examples of what a martyr is. You know, someone that just lays down their life willingly. And then I'm reading this right in the Doctrine, Doctrine and Covenants that talks about Joseph Smith, like, trying to escape out the window and all of this stuff. And then you learn that <laughs> hey, like, wait. he actually had, like, wine and stuff there with him and a gun. And he actually, like, shot a dude and killed him before he, he was killed. <laughs> and that just I, left hey, a weird, I, like, cognitive dissonance in my head. Like, wait, like, why? Oh, if, you, really? if you're the prophet and you know, like, you're going to have this great exaltation, like, why would you so desperately be trying to stay alive? And then that was kind of my first yeah. little item. And then, but I, I shrugged it off. It just felt so uncomfortable to think about it. <clears throat> but, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, that would probably be the first time that I really started Thank really you. thinking about it. Mine was just finding out that there were a lot fewer Mormons than mm-hmm. the rest. That we were such a tiny number. And I just, I couldn't ever get out of my head like, well, what are the odds mm-hmm. that we are right and all of them are wrong i just this doesn't seem and then as you get older that that's harder and harder mm-hmm. to uh to to sustain i think though honestly in the beginning the doubt i would just put on myself i always just thought it's a weakness mm-hmm. like i would feel guilty yeah. about having the doubt i felt guilty about everything mm-hmm. all the time i mean i was feeling guilty about wet dreams for yeah. years and that's a problem they're just full of guilt, and so I'd I would I would always well it's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And at that time, do you remember Paul H. Dunn? You're pretty young. Do you remember that I, general authority? I have read up on him just like 
doing research about the church, but he's the guy that was like lying, making up talks, right? Like he lied yeah, about all a, these fantastic things. Turd. Yeah. Just a turd. Because what that guy would do is he'd, he'd have these amazing faith stories mm-hmm. that are supposed to, and other people are like, oh, that's so inspiring. I'm like, nah. for me, I just felt like something's wrong with me because mm-hmm. how come nothing happens to me? Yeah. You know, I'm not getting any kind of, meanwhile, this guy has these unbelievable, mm-hmm. just like, signs and visions and you're sitting here like i'm i'm not getting any of this yeah and then you think even more like jesus probably that i'm masturbating in my sleep mm. that's what's doing it you know you just it's you yeah you're the reason yeah, always and that's the that sh- that shame yeah. culture and stuff like that that's yeah it's really built yeah. in but since we're talking about wet dreams mm-hmm. this hasn't come up before with anybody because <laughs> uh, i'd never experienced them until my mission you know, because I had really committed. Oh no! Yeah, yeah I really oh, yeah. committed. Like, oh man, I can't masturbate because I'd had some issues with masturbation before. Yeah. You know, you, that causes its own thing. <laughs> but you know, I, I really was doing great on the mission for a long time, and so when I experienced them, that was like we called them tender mercies on the mission. You know, it was like a little tender mercy from the. Is that Lord. what I called them? Yeah. I did not know that. Um, oh. But did the? <laughs> I remember this Spencer W. Kimball talk was like circulated for a long time about the little factories uh, did that ever reach horrible you? uh horrible that was a that was boyd k packer oh it was boyd k K. Yeah, those... yeah, yeah boyd k packer yeah and you know i read uh i don't know if it's true but it made sense that in response to the sexual revolution the 60s under spencer w kimball it's mm-hmm. like the mormon church just lurched way over to this just sexually repressive position, uh-huh. you know, and uh, and then that doctrine was just pushed all over through the culture. And it, I mean, I was raised under this culture where just, as you know, incredibly mm-hmm. strict yeah. and in denial of sexuality, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went, I remember going to that state conference and watching the film little slide or show with Boyd K. Packer's speech and then getting the pamphlet being totally confused because I mean I don't even know what masturbation is you know mm. I'm really having to go like oh, uh, am I doing this you know I don't and then just stupid vague stuff mm-hmm. it, it kind of messed me up to yeah. be frank so yeah. it was not beneficial like hearing something like that no yeah. oh not a, no not at all mm. it's a horrible thing just a horrible. So I, that's how it was going on my mission. Mm-hmm. I was that kind of a guy. I was a, a shameful doubter, but I wanted to believe and I wanted to be a part of the team and be proud of my culture and all those things you want to be, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everybody wants to be loyal to. Yeah. And uh, I went on my mission, uh, Seattle Spanish speaking, and uh, it was hard. It was very hard, but I mostly enjoyed it, mm. you know. I uh, didn't really learn Spanish. This no. was in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, met some great, some of my companions were amazing. Some of them were just turds. Mm. Uh, I had a couple companions, a couple that were really just, yeah. uh, just not. But, you know, hey, they're people. And some were some of the most amazing people I've ever met. Just amazing, wonderful, 
and still very active Mormons, mm-hmm. great people to this day. Then uh, I don't know. I came home from my mission, and I went to study art. I'd always wanted to do stand-up comedy. Yeah. For a living, uh, I'd always wanted to do comedy. I loved it, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it was compatible with being a Mormon. Yeah. I just assumed. True. I mean, you're in bars. Mm-hmm. They're serving alcohol. And uh, so I just started. Well, first I got married because I really wanted to have sex. Yeah. So I got married real quick. It was a bad marriage. We mm-hmm. we were both sadly married. It was that's sad. But uh, and then I got a degree in art, and I got a master's degree in art. Mm-hmm. All the time with these doubts, but then I stopped going to church somewhere in that time period. Did you go to yeah, BYU just, for art, or were you? What, what school did you attend? Um. I went to one semester of BYU. One. That's it. I came home from my mission. Went to BYU. Well, before my mission, I went to like Southern Utah State for like a quarter. But mm-hmm. then I went to BYU for one semester. And uh, I went to get my student ID for the second semester at BYU. And there's some guy standing guard at the door inspecting haircuts, as yeah. it turned out. Mm-hmm. And he grabbed my arm. My arm. This guy grabbed my arm. Stopped me. And then just just kind of spat into my face, not literally, but the words. The, mm-hmm. If you think you're getting your, you know, an ID card with a haircut like that, you are sorely mistaken, young man. And then just, and I'll, I just, it hit something in me like, I, that guy's awful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. Pretty sure that wasn't the quote, Holy Spirit working there. Mm-hmm. That There's a stick up his ass. Yeah. And he's upset when he sees any other guys out of stick up his ass. It's like, listen, I'm miserable. You don't have a right. You know, I don't know what, but I knew I could not go there. Yeah. I had to leave. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would be an angry, angry person if I stayed there. Yeah, the, so I went to Utah State. My uh, brothers were um, up there. Yeah. Yeah, Utah State's a nice yeah. campus, though. I went to the University of Utah. Oh, it's beautiful. But, uh, yeah, I really liked Great. the Utah State campus the most. Yeah, um, but gorgeous. the honor code is at BYU is it is insane. Um, yeah, like I went to obviously uh, I a lot, had a lot of friends and people I knew in, in, from the mission that were at BYU. Um, so I remember having to go down there. Um, there was actually a Ghanaian from the mission who had been attending Ghana. And I need or had been attending BYU, and I needed to talk to him for a project. So I went down there to Provo and had my backpack full of stuff. You know, so I looked like a student there, but I kind of had like, I hadn't shaven for a week yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. just walking around and all the dirty looks, like no one overtly said anything to me, but you get to see it in everyone's oh, yeah. eyes. Like, what is this piece of crap doing? He's Those got, he's got all, all this scruff and stuff. It, it made me uncomfortable. Um, so uh, yeah, I knew yeah. I couldn't do BYU. I had to, I had to go to the U. You have you. Um, <laughs> But real quick, um, the mission, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, for the most part, you enjoyed it, you know, but you were always kind of ashamed of doubts and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The era uh, that you served, because it's always changing. Um, was it mm-hmm. common for missionaries to, like, leave their missions early? You know, that did, that did happen sometimes. And, uh, in fact, when I first got on my mission, apparently... Uh, they had just had a rash of just sending a bunch of missionaries home. Mm. And then 
word was that the general authorities of the church talked to our mission president. A man, I liked the guy. He was a good mission president. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky. That's not how that doesn't yeah. always happen. And they told him, uh, you can't send so many of these guys home. So he just had to try to bend over backwards mm-hmm. to keep some of these young men out there who had no business. The young women were always, I don't think, they, they were more mature. They were just always more mature. And uh, but there were some of those young men that, yeah. with the things they would do, like I was a district leader for a while, or no, this was when I was a zone leader, and uh, some guys bought a used car, a couple of missionaries, and they were just driving all up and down to, I don't know how far they got, yeah. you know? And I remember talking to them and, you know how you're supposed to write down your numbers. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling them, no, listen, if you actually did that 40 hours, because the goal was 60 hours or mm-hmm. something, I can't remember. So if you actually worked 40 hours, that's a full-time job. You shouldn't feel bad. That's fine. Yeah. The word of that got back to the president, and they called me. What are you doing telling these guys? He's being honest. You know, this is stupid. Everyone's, yeah, that, that really rubbed me the wrong way mm-hmm. on the mission. And that's when I first started to see how religion gets poisoned by vanity. Yeah. That's when I realized, oh, this is this is the whited sepulcher. This is the Sadducees and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. This is Sadducees and Pharisees. Yeah. This is the they, these are the people that you know the one people Jesus like said he, he railed against this because uh-huh. when the hypocrisy of that when vanity enters into your your faith and your worship, it's over. Oh yeah, and I felt it was everywhere. Uh-huh. By the time I got home from my mission, I, I really had, I, I had started to get this idea that like, you know, they said there was a, an apostasy and then there was a reformation. Well, I think we've already had another apostasy. <laughs> that was my feeling already. Like, there's just no way that this isn't, and you know, as you get an adult and, and you hear these things about, well, the priesthood and the they talk so it's this very sacred power and it's conferred on you and you go to the church with the blinders down now and you can see these people for what they are and you're like you gotta be shitting me you really think that and then you add on to that doctrines of race and i'm like god this is just this no this isn't there's just no there's no way there's no way this is what they're saying it is mm-hmm. and uh but i still had all these good experiences and certain doctrinal aspects that i enjoyed or liked or found beautiful mm-hmm. but uh i don't know i just i just kind of stopped going mm-hmm. stopped going after i got my graduate in art i was so busy trying to paint and get a career going mm-hmm. and then my marriage fell apart and I never, I, you know, I didn't leave the church for any cause. I just, it was more, it was totally selfish. I just wanted more time of my own. Was, I, I squandered it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could have marched out like, this is wrong, but I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you ever concerned, like, what your, your parents and just different family members would think about you not going to church? You know, um, I kind of didn't tell them I wasn't going to church and they, they kind of knew, but I was very lucky. I had, uh, they believed in, uh, agency, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
sometimes I tried to be somewhat respectful, they would return the favor. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And I've never made a formal declaration of, I'm not in here, you know. I did have a stretch of stand-up comedy where I was pretty caustic, I would say, on stage and say, and not hold my tongue, yeah. like, at all. Um, but, I don't know, they were pretty good. How about, no, your, did you go through that with your parents or family or friends? Um, I was very afraid um, to, nah, make, to yeah. make the call. Um, but it actually, very similarly, was fine. Um I remember yeah. just my mom kind of being like, you know what? I've had similar questions. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but I, I I do think that is more rare than than not, unfortunately. I think it's pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. My parents were. Uh, my dad saw the world in gray. He had to. He's a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and given what he went through with my mom and all, just what what happened in life like pretty hard to hold on to some sort of clear cut version of the world Mm -hmm. i think if you're looking at all closely Mm -hmm. it's impossible i think so i didn't have that i didn't yeah when i when i just kind of stopped going and then uh i think that's the key you know once you're outside of it if you just stop going Mm you will get an objective vision of it. You'll see it objectively. Yeah. And once you look at it objectively, it's over, mm-hmm. which is why at least a certain version of it is over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There, there yeah. are some people that just remain in the, sub, the bubble of subjectivity. Mm-hmm. And in there, I mean, it's, they're untouchable. They're untouchable. But I would say they're not real. <laughs> you, you almost have to step outside that and encounter it from this objective place to mm-hmm. find out if it's really yours yeah. and when i got to that place and look back at it i didn't go back to it i didn't i didn't want to mm-hmm. so you mentioned um, that was it <laughs> you mentioned having a like a, a somewhat brief period you know where you were really taking some of your feelings on stage um do you think that was pretty yeah um do you think that was very necessary for your healing process was that what it kind of took to fully like uh divest yourself or was that just some you know it's just for the laughs ultimately you know i bet it was just for the laughs knowing me mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i would like to say it was there was some sort of high but but it it did help mm-hmm. it did help yeah what does it do i don't know what does it do when you do that it when you laugh at it for one thing yeah you transcend it. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the anxiety and the fear and the doubt and the shame and anger, mm-hmm. you transcend it. Mm-hmm. That's what laughing is. Laughing yeah. is looking at these things that should make you cry or scream. But that comes out instead. And in that moment, we transcend. Mm-hmm. You know, the tragedy becomes comedy. Mm-hmm. So, it definitely helped. I, I feel like it absolutely helped me. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not sad I did it. I did a lot of that material. Mm-hmm. Some of it got recorded. Most of it didn't, frankly. Mm-hmm. It's just too, oh, it makes too, it makes too many waves. Yeah. And I don't have the luxury as a comedian to, to carve out that kind of a career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, 
already lost enough work from that period. Yeah. I would say that period of my stand-up, I pretty much lost all of my corporate work in Utah. There's not oh, a single yeah. company that would hire me from Utah. And uh, quite a few others. They see it and they're like, oh, that's a little bit strident. Mm. Oh, and just... if someone searches, they'll see it on YouTube. You know, they'll find yeah. some of it and go, hmm. Is yeah. it too profane or just the, the subject matter in itself? Sometimes it was too profane. It was a little too profane. Sometimes it was too vulgar. Mm. But mostly it was just too sacrilegious. I mean, yeah. it just questioned. It just full on. And it, and it questioned all of the mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff I do is easy. It's very simple, kind of Mormon-type jokes. That I, but a lot of it is, no, it goes deep into there. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one wants to, well, some people do want to hear it. But, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people really don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, don't. You, you know what I mean on a comic on a stage in a comic club someone pays a ticket for comedy and then that happens to them and I just mm-hmm. feel like I did the old bait and switch on them it's like so self-indulgent mm-hmm. so yeah. so I was only self-indulgent for about 10 years that was all just intermittent <laughs> intermittent self-indulgent between you know pitter-pattered, like, woohoo, hey, everybody, like mm-hmm. happy stuff. And then all of a sudden, well, I got dark for about 10 minutes, and then we were back. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like, um, I know a lot of people, you know, you're afraid to leave the church because, you know, you're afraid of losing, like, a very core community. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. So what was that process like for you? Luckily, I kind of don't like people for the okay. most part, yeah. so that helped. You know, it's like, well, this will be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I had lost common ground with so many, mm-hmm. just so many. I mean, I'd already been trying to be a fine art guy. I was trying to paint, which was already outside the scope of normal. And then after my divorce my first wife, I just launched full bore into stand-up. No, really, I'm I'm just on a whole different path, and pretty soon I I just feel like I don't have that much in common. They're not support anyway. I mean, their mm-hmm. their form of support is you should swear, you shouldn't swear. Yeah, that's their that's how they're gonna support. They're gonna support me by telling me what to put in my act. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're gonna you know tell me <laughs> that kind of. So I guess I didn't have to face losing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was like. Mm-hmm. Plus, I met my wife now, and that was enough. I had her and a few friends, and I didn't need all the rest. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. I know for some people, that's so big. Their family, all their social circles, just brutal, mm-hmm. brutal. Just your spouse, your kids, your, oh, mm-hmm. man. It's very hard. It can be a lot to juggle. Um, did you meet your oh, wife yeah. through stand-up, like on the road? I met her, I was just starting stand-up. Mm-hmm. I made no money as a feature comic. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I was living in my car. I had a little painting studio space in an office building in Ogden, Utah. No bathroom. I mean, you can sleep there. Mm-hmm. And in my car. And then her friends, a blind date, they lined her up with me. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't let her know I was living in my car for a few months. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And then I decided I better get a room, a rent a room. So, mm-hmm. so I met her. Yeah, she was in living. She was based in Ogden, Utah. By the way, she said, you know how you said you moved to to Utah from Ghana? You didn't. Mm-hmm. It was just very quick. Because for your mission and then Florida, Ghana. That mm-hmm. she when she moved to Utah was with the Air Force. She said it was a bigger cultural shock than living in Germany had been, mm-hmm. than living in Romania had been, than living in France had been. She's from Wisconsin. She said Utah by far, yeah. <laughs> biggest culture shock she'd ever felt. Mm-hmm. And Utahns that are Mormon that are in that do not understand. No. They do not know mm-hmm. how different they are. They don't know how peculiar and tight-knit. Yeah. It's just so... They don't know how weird their billboards are. Some of their desserts, their just little, is it colloquialisms? Is that what you call them? Just everything. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Just the jargon of that. Because yeah. it's, you know, you have a broad reaching, you know, Mormon cultural jargon that you can get from movies yeah. and things like that, wherever you are. But there is still very unique terms to Utah, especially, you know, yeah. when you're just the, the range from like a Provo to like a Logan. Oh yeah, that's more no. like rural and stuff like that. So you have all of these little differences. Um, yeah, Provo gets intense yeah, for Provo's me when I go. Like, this is it's <laughs> it's really intense, but it, oddly it's home. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel I know they won't believe me the way they hear my show with comedy sometimes. But I love I I love the people and the place, and it's my it's where I came from, mm-hmm. my culture. So. Sometimes they annoy the living crap out of me, <laughs> of course. And there are certain core ideas that I just wish they could get rid of. Mm-hmm. Just, they need to grow. They need to dump the stuff. But yeah. I know that sounds arrogant, but so I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna get it's gonna reach a breaking point. Just like if you're kind of active sure. on these like you know ex-mormon groups online and stuff people are joining like every day you know yeah Um, so it's we'll see you know two decades from now what what will it look like you know it's gonna be hard yeah Mm. yeah yeah what will it who knows yeah who knows (laughs) but I, i feel you though like utah is strange but when you're away like now that i'm in a healthier place i find myself kind of missing it I'm wanting to go back or oh, yeah. just, you know, yeah. little regrets like, oh, you know, I wish I was the person I am now and I would have done so many things differently. I would have taken advantage of so many more things. I would have eaten more pastrami burgers and things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But eh, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason, yeah. I guess, right? Um, so yeah. your wife was just never Mormon at all then? Never. She grew up in Wisconsin, mm. not not real Catholic, you know, not actively Catholic, but mm-hmm. Irish background, Catholic, mm-hmm. partying. She drinking. She smoked when I met her. Mm-hmm. She quit. Took her years to quit. These are all things I talk about in my show. Mm-hmm. Just meeting her and falling in love and all that. But yeah, no, she was not. She was not. Uh, my first wife was. Yeah. And we were both just. We were just both so young mm-hmm. and. And so just unaware. I mean, I was so painfully stupid. Feel bad for my first wife. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was such a dummy. Just a dumb, dumb guy. Yeah. I but mean, I met my wife. If that was right after your mission, it's like, yeah, you're still a kid, really. 
you know, and the church kind I of, even, uh, infant, yeah. it infantilizes you. I think maybe that's how you pronounce it, but it's very stunting being in the church. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with Utah as well. If you're coming from the outside, it's just like, oh, you guys, you're just a little, behind. Yeah. you're a little behind with, you know, the things yeah. of the world. And that makes it hard to connect. Because they're not preparing you. Not exactly. But I mean, just even in Florida, like, yeah. you know, it's a lot of people from Utah there, you know, that are getting things going. Um, so I, I, I remember I was kind of, I'd gone on a date with a girl a couple times before getting ready to move to Utah, but I'd very much committed to move to Utah. And then so many of the, you know, like high councilmen and stuff like that were just approaching me like, oh, are you sure you want to go to Utah? Like, you sure you don't want to just marry this girl you've gone on three dates with? Like, <laughs> I met my wife. I married her after two weeks, and we've been married. For worked six, out yeah, fine. Worked out fine for us. And you're like, oh, okay, like I know. I don't know if that's what we should be propounding to everybody. Like, you know, it's not gonna work for everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it's intense. Yeah, it's yeah intense. I mean, when I remember getting married to this woman, young, I was a boy and she was a girl. We were that young, you know. I remember thinking about Fitter on the roof. That's how screwed up I was. Well, you know, they made it work. I'm I'm referencing an arranged marriage in a play to think, well, you know, you just, you no, you really need, I needed to know more than mm -hmm. I did, but we got married. That's part of the pressure. I think that's part of the problem is that the, what they're not preparing people to be in the world. They're preparing to be Mormon. Yeah. To stay Mormon mm -hmm. in the world. It's all about retention. It's a retention program. And that's not, that doesn't prepare you for life no. in the world. Like I, I thought the other day, so much talk about, well, you got to prepare for the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, you really should prepare people for when he doesn't come because that's mm -hmm. going to be your life experience. Almost, yeah. I'll bet everything I own that your life experience will be, he never comes. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Mm -hmm. Are you ready for that one? And they aren't. So many aren't. Yeah. Some are, but they're not prepared. Not at all. <laughs> I think I called them high, they're high counselors. I think I called them high councilmen. That was bothering me. No, that's right. But, uh, high councilmen. High, high counselors. counselors. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Same, same. High difference. councilmen. Yeah, yeah. You got same, it right. Same difference, yeah. But, yeah. So he was um, trying to get you to marry the local girl. Yeah. Not go to Utah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get you locked in. Get you locked in right there. Get like, you here, married, pregnant, just locked in to just, I don't know. Where were you in Florida? Um, I'm from, I guess the Destin area, people might be more familiar with that. Um, but if you Destin know, if you know area. Pensacola, like Pensacola beach and the panhandle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm from the panhandle area. Um, just right oh, okay. there. so it's like, it's basically Alabama, but the beach is there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually had a lot of conflicts surrounding that for a while though. Like I felt guilty for wanting to go out to Utah and leaving like the area. That's you know, that's very strange, yeah, Devin. Most people don't feel guilty for wanting to go to Utah. That yeah, shouldn't. I did because uh, I was <laughs> on my mission, and like people like were just so proud of me all the time. And, yeah. Like, so they were parading me around when I got home, and oh, this guy is oh, like man. a spiritual giant now. And I just felt this pressure, like you know, I, I need to like be a like a branch builder <laughs> a ward builder a yeah stake builder. oh sure I need to increase the stakes yeah. i do need to marry a girl here and you know we need worthy priesthood holders and i just felt like i was abandoning you know 
the state. You were. Yeah, and I so was, ultimately. Did. I did. I, mean, abandon you did. Them. I did do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so pe- when people were coming at me like that, I just, you know, it made me feel bad, but I, just, I knew I had to get out of there. You left Florida. Yeah. That's why it went downhill. When did you leave? That's when it started going downhill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you're being, the reason for that, bro. Everyone's being punished for my sins, but, um, you know, it sounds like... And you're Air like, Force. You said you were Air Force? Uh, my, dad, my, my dad Air was Air Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my so wife's I, Air Force. So that's why we're in Force. Germany now. And, I, and okay. I wrestled with that too. I was like, well, I got to join the Air Force because that's, you know, what I know. I wasn't making decisions for myself. I didn't feel comfortable making decisions no. for myself. Was, oh, you're not qualified. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't know Neither myself. am I. Yeah, who knows themselves, <laughs> you know, ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it sounds like your transition was fairly smooth, like, you know, compared to a really lot was. of people. Oh um, yeah, so yeah. Like ultimately, like, how has life been for you since fully disconnecting from the church? Um, well, I've done my my extended family still maintain contact. Okay. I had that. My parents. That was a big deal. I think that makes it easier. I've been much happier. I was just happier. Like it was almost instant. Uh-huh. It was almost instant when I stopped, and I was still with my ex-wife, and yet I still felt better. Yeah. And we were in a bad marriage and yet still felt. Mm. And there was that big divorce. And then after that, I just, this sense of just absolute, mm-hmm. just freedom. Like, oh, wow. I feel much happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way happier. Yeah. yeah. Might have been the coffee. I started drinking coffee. Started drinking I'm coffee. kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, it's happier. It's way happier. Yeah. Um, and that's not what you hear is going to happen, you mm-hmm. know. So when it's exactly the opposite of everything, I'd well, you'd be miserable. You'll come crawling back with like track marks. Mm-hmm. You'll be, you know, like no, I'm fine. Yeah. But I know a lot of people. It's it's horrible. They, yeah. they you know, one thing that helped me out was my dad. All never attached all these rules of the religion. Mm-hmm. He didn't attach them to God and Jesus and the church, like drinking too much he said no it's alcoholism that leads to this you know there was they would always show us the underlying reason behind the rule Mm -hmm. so that helped me because some people i know they drop all those rules when they go and then they find out like oh no uh that's not just a church rule that's like a natural law Mm -hmm. yeah i lucked out (laughs) i lucked out there yeah Um, do you still paint or anything like that a little bit Mm -hmm. a little bit but I'll I'll do some more now in Germany because yeah. there's no comedy work. So yeah, a little bit more. Is there like <laughs> a, is happened. there an expat like comedy scene over there? There is. I'm finding there is, but mm. all the shows are canceled because oh, of COVID. Regardless, so. yeah. yeah. And I got here. I got three shows, kind of little shows booked and ready mm-hmm. to kind of get things going, and then everything. Everything. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there too. Or actually, it's more open with comedy shows there. I think. Um, yeah, it's open a little bit. Um, a little. It's like half capacity if you're indoors, like the yeah. funny bone here. Yeah. And I mean, you can still go to the bars and things like that, but it's, you know, over at 10 o'clock. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's not as bad as some places, but apparently cases and stuff are going up too. So who knows really what That's... the right move is. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those poor businesses, man. I oh, feel yeah. bad. That's so bad for them. Uh, it's just, ugh. I feel bad that they did the big lockdown, mm-hmm. and then they just squandered it. There was no testing going on. There's no tracing system mm-hmm. put together. 
they just squandered it. They just locked down. Everybody lost money. And then they opened up and they had no groundwork laid mm -hmm. to fight this thing. Whereas Germany here just went into spike, but it looks like it's starting to come down again. A big spike. Because they laid down. And they had a whole summer of really low because they had everything together. But, oh, well. What do you do? Yeah. I don't know. Is <laughs> I your, feel bad um... for this. Is your Spanish background helping learn German? That intensive Spanish um, course you went through in, in Seattle? <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't. My brain is not yeah. holding on to it. My brain knows I'm full of crap, mm -hmm. I think. that I, I want to learn it bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really trying to learn German, but it's just oh, it's so hard. Yeah. And I, I imagine a good amount of people speak English as well. So that probably oh, yeah. makes it a little more difficult. Most of them. It's like, oh, well, I could try yeah. this or I could just bail out. Getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Getting the immersion is, most Germans just, they're just like, why are you learning this? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what, no, that's what are you doing? This, mm -hmm. this, is, this is a weird hobby you've decided. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they speak English mm -hmm. and they recognize German's a rare language, yeah. kind of. I enjoy it. It's mm. fun. It's a lot of fun. It's hard, oh, but yeah. fun. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Great language. Yeah. I stalk everybody's Instagram and stuff like Fascinating. that when I have them on. So just going through some pictures you've snapped, oh, yeah. stuff like that. So it looks like a nice time, you know. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Germany's gorgeous. And it's so well run. It's it's astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, they, get what they, they pay high taxes, but, man, they get what they pay for. Yeah. You know, it's not wasted money. Yeah. It's all well spent beautiful country highly recommend it <laughs> yeah if we can yeah if we can after covid there. you come over you come yeah. visit devin you're welcome come visit we'll hang out all right yeah i want to open a show love for it. you let me do like two minutes i got two hot, okay i got a, I got a tight come over. I got a tight two minutes so <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, it can be a loose. Time. You can have yeah. a loose oh, I can have a loose too. Okay, yeah, I don't, don't want to disappoint <laughs> you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know, it's getting, I know it's getting late over there. We are about at fifty minutes, like I said. Um, just kind of in closing, is there anything I haven't asked that you want to get into, or any advice that you might have for anybody? I have no, no. You're one of no the great advice. philosophers of our day, <laughs> Ben. So I know you got something. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> that's sad if I am <laughs> I don't know I have no advice I, yeah. let me think about it there's my advice oh, let me think about yeah, it yeah. to be continued <laughs> I don't know sure. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just take it easy no though. advice yeah not every exit has to be a grand exit you know it can be just kind of well that, that's true in yeah. fact yeah. I would say very few are yeah the bad ones are. The bad ones are very grand. Mm. You know, Bonnie and Clyde or yeah. those are grand exits. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then. So, yeah, no advice, I guess. Right. Well, I'll, I'll come back for my, my private advice off air. I know you got you got something just for me. Okay. So, let's do that. Yeah. Then I'll, I'll cut loose. They don't need it. This is free content. <laughs> you know, the, the big stuff's for me. But... Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Make them pay. Yeah, you gotta pay. Stick, for, around, yeah, stick around, and I will, I will prove, I will logically prove the existence of God, but only if you pay. That's one paid content. One of the great philosophers, like wow. I said. So, 
I've enjoyed this bent. Uh, thanks, you know, thanks so much for staying up, you know, over there with the with the time difference. Oh, but, my uh, pleasure. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. This will go out uh, in probably about two weeks, and then I'll send you the link and everything, great. and you can check it out. All right, then. All right. Well, good to meet you. Good to meet you, and then I'll, I'll come for those loose two minutes. Uh, maybe next year. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm serious. If you want to come visit, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, yeah I, would not, I would not. We mind. love it. We love company. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that <laughs> All right. Great. I'll hold you to it. All right. Well, have a good night. Bye. You, Devin. You too. Bye. Focal Point Podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.